Free Trail fam, bonjour from Chamonix, France. Of course, I am your loving host, Dylan Bowman, here to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. It is officially UTMB week, and we are here to enjoy the spectacle and share our love for this amazing sport and this amazing event with you, the global trail running community, trail fans worldwide. This is a special time of year, and we are so happy to be here to enjoy it in person. We're going to be doing a daily show each morning recording in the heart of Chamonix covering all the major stories of this year's race. It is a special week-long series we're calling Good Morning Mont Blanc, which you're listening to now. Each day we'll have a star-studded group of rotating co-hosts to share their expert perspectives about the fields, the conditions, the races, and the results as they happen throughout the week. We're also going to be doing a ton of pre- and post-race interviews with some of the main contenders and the top performers. So make sure you're subscribed here or to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single second of our coverage. We are grateful for your support. We really hope you'll follow along and share it with your friends. Finally, thank you to Hoka and Camelback for making the shows possible this week. Make sure you play fantasy, fantasy fantasy.freetrail.com for a chance to win prize packages from these awesome brands. Thank you all so much for listening. Have an amazing UTMB week. Good morning, Mont Blanc. Welcome to the 2023 Ultra Trail to Mont Blanc. My name is Dylan Bowman. Here, as always, joined by Corinne Malcolm. Corinne, it's officially UTMB week. I know. I'm so excited. Oh, my goodness. So just to set the context here for uh, the rest of race week, like I said, good morning, Mont Blanc. This is going to be our daily show from the heart of Chamonix, France, from where Corinne and I are sitting. We are a mere couple hundred meters probably from the finish line. There are finishers streaming into town right now from MCC. So race week is officially underway. TDS starts around midnight tonight. TTL started in the pouring rain this morning. It was very wet out there. (laughs) Tough way to get started, but we're going to be doing a daily show from right here in the heart of Chamonix in our lovely apartment, not far from the finish line, not far from the the expo. And we're going to be trying to bring as much excitement and knowledge to this year's UTMB as we possibly can. Today, we're going to start with the top 10 storylines of the 2023 Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. Before we get to that, we have to, of course, thank our lovely sponsors. We are brought to you with the generous support of both Hoka and Camelback, both, of course, premier sponsors of the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc and the UTMB World Series. Hoka, of course, born here in the Alps, Fueled by the thrill of flying up and down mountains, trail running in Hoka's DNA. So make sure you swing by their booth here in the expo throughout race week if you are in Chamonix. And if you are not, you can check out Hoka's AR experience that's augmented reality and join athletes like Jim Walmsley for a run in the Alps by heading to HokaAthleteTrainingCamp.com. Of course, Camelback 2 invented the hydration pack category still at the forefront of innovation in that space. And if you're here in Chamonix, they are going to be doing a public event from 6 to 8 p.m. on Thursday at the Fully Deuce Hotel here in Chamonix. There's going to be a panel discussion with some of their athletes, followed by an open bar mixer. And then they're going to be previewing some of their 2024 product. Again, that's 6 to 8 p.m. this Thursday. The whole free trail team will be there. So make sure you swing through that Camelback event. So again, big thank you to Hoka and Camelback. 
With all that being said, Corinne, we're going to talk about the top 10 storylines, like I said, of the 2023 UTMB starting where else with Courtney DeWalter, the Courtney slam, as I'm calling it. Of course, she finished a astounding 1529 at Western States, obliterating a course record that had never been touched. Then she broke her own course record at the Hard Rock 100 only three weeks later. And here she is six weeks after Hard Rock to try and complete the most amazing triple in ultra running history, potentially. Yeah. And you have to remember that she started her season with both a course record time at Bandera, as well as a phenomenal performance at Trans Grand Canaria. So it's like, you know, you could take out any of those races and it still be, would be a phenomenal season and all together. You know, I was not surprised, but maybe like a little bit like, oh, cool. When I heard that she would officially be towing the start line. And I think we're all waiting with bated breath to see how, what, like what unfolds truly for this outstanding triple. Yeah. And obviously later on in the week, we're going to be doing a deep preview of the UTMB field. Courtney comes into any race that she does as the odds on favorite. She does so here today too, but she will have a lot, I'm sorry, this week also, but she will have a lot of fantastic competitors chasing her down. But if she is able to pull it off, it will be something that will go down in trail and ultra running history. So to our fantastic fans who are going to be watching throughout race week. I'm sure you don't need to be reminded of this storyline. And that's why we're starting with Courtney DeWalter as our number one story this week. But I think to your point, yeah, people forget at this point of the year about Bandera and Trans Grand Canaria. And I went back and just like looked since she dropped out of hard rock back in 2021, she has just been on an absolute tear invincibility just to name a few highlights of course she broke Rory Bozio's course record here at UTMB in 2021 also one of the most amazing performances in trail history she did the same thing at the Grand Raid in 2021 in uh October of of that year and then of course Western States this year two hard rock victories Transgrand Canaria course record Madeira course record Cape Town course record, Bandera course yeah, record. Yeah, just like untouchable, untouchable, right? Like just head and shoulders above the rest of the field, you know, into the men's field. I think it's one of those things where it's like a, a Courtney that is less than 100% is still the favorite to win here yep. because she is that good. Yep. And I think that that is something, I think some of us had doubts when she got on the start line at Hard Rock. It was pretty close after Western States. Like, what was she going to have? And I don't think... You know, I think after that, after that little bit of doubt that some of us felt in the first 50 miles of that race, that doubt has since been like resolved, shattered, et cetera. And it's, it's really hard to have any doubt in our minds that Courtney isn't here to win, potentially break her own course record and completely baffle us once again. Yeah. Never doubt Courtney. I saw on Instagram that she just printed some cool t-shirts that say chase your crazy with the elevation profiles cool. of all three of those hundred mile races. I bought three of them from her to make sure that <laughs> we were fully outfitted with the swag in the case that she is able to pull together this triple. Just to add some historical precedent. Chrissy Mail did this way back in 2012. I think she's the only other woman to have done mm -hmm. this triple in one season. Yep. And Arlen Glick was supposed to do it this year, but he has since pulled out of YouTube. Yeah. It sounds like he is here with his craft teammates, but he is going to run Run Rabbit in September instead. Yep. So again, never doubt Courtney. That is our first storyline of the week. Western States, Hard Rock. Here she is as the clear favorite at UTMB. 
But that leads me to our second storyline of the week, and that is the wide open men's race here at the UTMB. I just talked to Tom Evans about this. Yep. Um, I was just in our team house. Tom just arrived from where he's been training elsewhere in France for the last three and a half weeks, I think. And that's, that's his impression too, that it's, you know, he was third here last year. We do have nine of the top 10 men returning this yep. year. The only one being Killian Jornet not returning to, mm -hmm. to this year's, this year's race due to injury, but it's a very level playing field. You've got more people doing the Western States UTMB doubled than I think usual. At least that's what yep. it feels like this year. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, but it's really an even playing field. It yep. feels really wide open. And then there's some other people that are outside that men's top 10 returning group from last year that you guys will talk about more this week, who I think could really mess some things up for people, yep. um, which I am personally very excited yeah, about. Absolutely. And again, we'll go into all that sort of detail when we do like a full UTMB preview. But I think what makes this year so interesting and what makes this field so wide open is the absence of Killian Chornet, Francois Den, Xavier Thevenard. Those three men since 2008 have won 11 UTMBs. There's only three people who've won UTMB since 2008 other than those two, that being Jez Bragg in 2010, which was a sh weather shortened year, uh, Ludovic Pomeray in 2016, and Pau Capel in 2019. Yeah, if you're not a French guy, basically. Yeah. It's really hard to win here, it feels yep. like. And I think, you know, if it, before Courtney's name was on the list, just to go back to this for a second, before Courtney agreed to do or decided to do UTMB, the women's field felt that same way. Like, oh my goodness, there's this is a really level playing field. This is anyone's day. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, yeah, once you remove Killian from that and there, there's no Francois, there's no Xavier, all of a sudden that men's field feels that as well. And I think we could see a really good battle. I don't think the conditions are going to be fast. We'll talk more about that yes, in a second too. Yes, but, um, I think it's, we're set up right now for a very epic battle. Yeah. Epic, epic battle. Just to put myself on, uh, on the line here, I'm still saying that there's a group of five from which the winner will emerge. Those five being Jim, Hannes, Tom Evans, Matthew Blanchard, and Petter Engdahl. Those are my five favorites, but yeah. like I said, a totally wide open horse race this year. Yeah. I think, you know, you've got fifth last year in Zach Miller. I want Hannes to have an amazing day. I mm -hmm. hope Tebow doesn't have any stomach issues this year because I think we watched him lay on the finish line for like a solid 90 minutes yep. last year because it turned out he hadn't had calories in like 80 miles yep. or something. So I think that there's a lot of men that are very hungry and then there'll be some surprises, I think as well, that are knocking at the door. And then in both the men's race and women's race, we've got some people where it is their first hundred, um, including Petter Engdahl on the men's side and then Blondine on the women's side, who I think are huge wild cards. Yep. So stick around later in the week where we'll do a full UTMB preview and go through all the characters in the field. But that was our number two storyline of the week, the wide open men's race at UTMB, which leads elegantly into our third storyline of the week. <laughs> that being the American men. Can they do it? This is always a storyline here at UTMB until somebody finally yeah. breaks the tape. And we have to preface it with American women, North American women, more broadly, even very good yeah. at this race. American men coming up short kind of year after year. But I do think that we've got as good a chance as any to put people on the podium this year and as good a chance as any that we've had in the last decade to, to potentially bring home the win, yep. which would be really cool. Would that be Jim? I don't know. Yep. There's a bunch of really good American men in the, in the starting field this year. And I think that 
you know, we say this every year, this is our chance. This is yeah. our opportunity. But I think when you say the big three aren't here and with the big three men who have won this race time and time again, not being on that start line, this is like that golden window, that golden opportunity to potentially sneak a victory back to the yeah. U.S. And not only the American men are thinking that. I think every person in the men's race is feeling the absence of Killian Francois and Xavier this year. And everybody's thinking, this is my chance. But maybe just, it's a German's year. Maybe it's Hannes's year, right? Like right. there's a bunch that's this. Yeah. Once yeah. Again, because I mean, exciting. really, it's it's only been Frenchmen and Spaniards yep. who've won the UTMB in probably the last 10 years yep. between Pau, Killian, Xavier, Francois. Yep. And I mean, even Ludo too, yep. Frenchmen. So anyway, it's it's high time for somebody who is non-Frenchman <laughs> and non-Spaniard to come bring home there will a be UTMB championship. Chaos going on in the UTMB TV live <laughs> studio situation by the the US table, we the English speaking table we sit between not just US. It's the English speaking table we yeah. sit between the French on one side and the Spanish on the other and it's always chaos and it's generally chaos because they're winning the thing. Yeah. And so we will see what happens this year. If well, somehow someone else sneaks home the victory. I'm going on the record now. If an American wins, I will be rioting in the streets as if the Denver Broncos <laughs> won the Super Bowl. I'll be flipping over cars and taking my shirt off they're and lighting things on all fire. all the light poles in town <laughs> exactly. so you can't climb them. Philadelphia Eagle style. <laughs> yeah. So just to give our listeners some historical context here, our good friend Topher Gaylord, who's going to be the guest of Good Morning Mont Blanc tomorrow, where we're going to talk about the history of the race, uh, a race that he is instrumental in building from the earliest days. He is the highest placing American male in UTMB history. He was second here in the inaugural running in 2003, 20 years ago. Topher Gaylord Ooh. finished second. Mike Wolf finished second that 2010 year behind Jez Bragg that was weather shortened. Of course, David Laney, Tim Tollefson have been on the podium here, but otherwise American men have been taken to the woodshed at UTMB. 2019 and 2021 were particularly embarrassing for the American men. We had only one person in the top 20 those two years. That I'm was Jason sure, Schlarb. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I place. went on the record after that race and I was like, yeah, bad year for the American men. Two very two bad years bad in a years. row. And then of course, Jim and Zach were able to build some momentum back into the American men's field last year, finishing fourth and fifth place here at UTMB. I'm just going to go through some of the American characters in this year's race, just so people know. I should also mention Jimmy Elam and Jeff uh, McGavro finished 14th and 16th last year. Yeah, so and Jeff is solid fit. runs too. This was the top American male at Sears and all. Yeah. I saw him the other day. He's like, that was a surprise. Yeah. I guess I'm fit. And He's like, solid. He's really super solid. solid. Yeah. So again, we'll do a full UTMB preview later on in the week, but just to list off some of the American representation that we're going to have in the field, Jim Walmsley, Zach Miller, Adrian McDonald, Ben Demon, who's really interesting. Yeah, lives in Spain, is that right? Yeah, yeah talk about him character. later, but American guy. Jeff McGavro, David Hedges, Tyler Green, Tim Tollefson, Jeff Colt, Rob Farvard, Rod Farvard, Matt Daniels, Chris Brown, Cody Lind, Canyon Woodward, Anthony Lee. Those are some names on the start list. Yeah, you know year. how when we talk about, you know, the the way you get a good race is that you need to have enough of a depth, like the depth of the field has to be like a certain, uh, like it has to be deep, which yep. is like redundant. Obviously the depth is deep. The depth yeah. is deep. Mm -hmm. Um, you need that. And you know that some people aren't going to get to the start line healthy and you know that some people are going to drop out early. You know, those things are going to happen, but all of a sudden if we're putting 20 
pretty talented American men on the field or like on the start line, that is our best hope of like that whittling down to the one or two that are making that top five or that podium yep. group. So I think that that is pretty mission critical if, if the men, if the U.S. men want to bring home a podium finish. Yep. So last year we have four Americans in the top 20. This year I'm saying at least five Americans in the top 20. That's my prediction. We'll see. Okay. Yes, we will. Which again leads us elegantly into the third storyline of this year's UTMB. And that is no fourth. Yeah, you're right. Excuse me. Sorry, Corinne. I can the count. fourth storyline. <laughs> losing count already. Fourth storyline of this year's UTMB, of course, Jim Walmsley. He is one of the biggest superstars in the sport, in the history of the sport. He has been conspicuously quiet this season. He's, He's always conspicuously quiet. He loves to go Strava dark. Sometimes it's injury. Sometimes though? I think he does. He's done that at Western States before, right? Where he like but he won't was post his Strava yeah. stuff until after the fact. And I think that there, I think this year, and I think in years past, it has been a bit of both. I think there was an injury this spring that took him out of Worlds, for example. I think if he had been healthy, he would have raced Worlds. I don't think that was like a fake injury by any means. I think that he was hurt and dealing with some stuff this spring. He was spending a lot of time on the bike. But yeah, it's a been a quiet, a quiet front from the Walmsley household. And I'm curious to see what kind of gym is showing up on the start line. Yeah. I mean, I was nervous that he was hurt and he was just, you know, being quiet about it, having raced Istria in the spring, mm -hmm. just to kind of validate his spot here at UTMB. Of course, he and his wife, Jess have moved here to France just to focus on UTMB. He was, like you said, supposed to race for Team USA at the World Championships in June, pulled out, and has been dark on Strava ever since. So it, within our circles, there's always been speculation that, oh, Jim's hurt. We're unsure if he's fit, whatever. He posts on Instagram last week, like, not going to lie, I'm really happy with my fitness, and I can't wait to race. He did a local race uh, two or three weekends ago, I yep. believe. Like, he and Jess both race, and I think they both won their respective races. So I do think that there's, there's a quiet, a quiet fitness there, but they are, I feel like he historically has been one to try to avoid some of the spotlight and hype in and around UTMB. And I, I get it. Like walking through town, I take all the shortcuts around here because I don't want to be on the main drag. And that is exponentially worse for yeah. the Courtney's and the Jim's and the Killian's of the world. Totally. So I understand wanting to keep a low profile and just kind of, let, let people speculate, right? It's not on you if they speculate. Well, see, this is what I was going to say too. Jim is the ultimate, like he, I recall when we were running together in Cormier a couple of years ago and I was asking him whether he was going to use polls and he didn't use polls that year. I think it was in 2021. And he was like, no, it's because I want to make everybody else play my game and mm -hmm. effectively make Francois keep running with me on the climbs where he would otherwise totally. be hiking. Of course that backfired for him. My point is that basically by going dark on Strava and creating the speculation of if, if he's hurt or if he's healthy, he's making everybody else sort of think about him when they're in the middle of their own training block, which I think is kind of a badass. Psychological he's a gamer. move. He's, he's a gamer. He's definitely a gamer. He's and I think absolutely that that a gamer. Is, I mean, yeah, I think that's very, I think, I mean, I think Courtney's a gamer too. I yeah. think we think that she's just like the chillest person in the world, but her chill is so intentional. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, they're both, they're both gamers. And yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see Jim pull out the like black on black ninja zero dark 30. Will he start in full tight situation? Again yeah. It'll be, we will, only time will tell how low his zip shirt goes. Yeah. 
To your point, it's not unprecedented that he did go quiet on Strava. Western States in 2021, when you and I did that uh, inaugural broadcast, of course, he had been hurt that spring too. And he did tons of training on his Wahoo bike trainer that spring leading up to Western States. It ran 1445 in crazy hot, slow conditions that year, one by 80 minutes. So even if he was hurt, he's shown he has the creativity of like, getting fit on the bike. And then when it's important to get that specific run fitness that he's able to do it. So can't wait to see Jim. And of course he's been living here for 18 months, him and Jess singular focus on this race. Yeah. No Killian, no Francois, no Xavier. Jim must be thinking this is my shot. Yeah. Holy smokes. Anything else on Jim before we move? No. I mean, I think that that is super accurate. I think it's that he's got to be thinking this is my shot. Yeah. Maybe on one hand, you know, I think that these competitive individuals who are, who are gamers, like they want to race the best, right? They want, they want the best field possible. They don't want to win on an asterisk year. And so I could see some disappointment in Tom Evans or Jim Walmsley or Matthew to not have Killian in the field because it's like, Oh, well you won, but not on a Killian year. And I can feel on one hand, it's like, you can't win if you don't show up. Yep. But on the other hand, it's like, ooh, it's an asterisk. I know Sabrina Stanley felt that when when Courtney dropped out of Hard Rock, mm. right? The like, she wanted to beat Courtney. She yep. didn't want Courtney to drop out. And I think that that is like, I could see a little bit of that too, of like, it's a, a win is a win. Yep. But it's like this interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, for people who are observers of the sport and who, you know, have followed it for many years. They know that a win here at UTMB is life-changing. Yeah, absolutely. And there is no asterisk for the male winner this year it, with the absence of those three great champions who have won 11 times. The winner this year will be celebrated in history. Yeah, there's some yeah. armchair quarterbacks who might say otherwise, yeah. but I do think that we don't listen to those people. We don't listen to those we people. Don't you to don't people. count. <laughs> you don't count. Moving along. <laughs> Storyline number five, the Western States UTMB double. We've got tons of athletes doing it this year. And just to add some color here before I pass it to you, Corinne, of course, traditionally it has been difficult for people to execute the Western States UTMB double effectively. It's about eight weeks, about two months separating these two world championship level hundred mile races. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, we had an extra week this year. UTMB is a week later than usual. And I think it's probably a week later because 70.3 Ironman championships just took place. And I think you'd probably, they probably want the CEO of Ironman here this week. So I think separating those events was probably smart. The race next year will be back in its normal time period, um, moving up a little bit again. So I think that having that extra week is massive. I think that historically as well, the women have traditionally done a little bit better on the double than men. Um, there've been years where everyone does horribly at it and everyone drops out and it's just not a good year. And we say, okay, well you can't commit to to UTMB if you're also doing Western States. That being said, we saw, um, Marianne Hogan take, uh, two podium spots last year between Western States and UTMB with a third and a second. We saw Emily Hoggood, I think take a fifth and a sixth Mm -hmm. between the two races. Um, you know, there's some more historical precedent for that double being successful and and it can be done. And I think that extra week in between the two could be the magic, the magic seven days to 
have a little bit more time to feel better. A couple other variables that I want to get to in just a second, but just so our audience knows, like you said, Marion Hogan was able to do the double podium last year. Nobody had done that since 2011 when Killian won both Western States and UTMB in the same summer. This year, we have several people who have the opportunity to try and podium in both races. That being, of course, Tom Evans, the champion of Western States, along with Courtney DeWalter, the champion of Western States, Tyler Green, Esther Chillog, both second place. And then I think that's it on yeah. the, of the podium runners at Western States. And there are people who have experience here at this event too, which I think is also unique. Esther Chillog was, um, she's actually the top returning female to the field this mm. year for UTMB, finishing fifth, fifth yeah. last year. Um, I think she's a better runner this year than she was last year. I've heard she's fit. Too. I imagine she's fit. I'm excited. Yeah, there's a number. There's a number of people. You've got Emily actually Haga doing CCC instead of UTMB this year. She's doubled. She's doubled successfully in the top ten the last two years in a row at Western States and UTMB. Yep. Stepping back to CCC, CCC this year. Very excited about that. And then her teammate Taylor Nowlin is doing the opposite double. She did top 10 at Western States and CCC last year is now trying to do the Western States UTMB yep. double this year. Leah Yingling. I just think the field is, yeah. you got a lot of people who are really solid, reliable, consistent racers. Um, yeah. So let me, that, let me read off the, let me read off the names and then I want to tee you up on something else as the sport science expert that you are, but just to set the context for our audience here. So the names that I pulled off the start list who I know are doing the Western States UTMB double again, Tom Evans, Courtney DeWalter, Tyler Green, Esther Chilog, Dan Jones from New Zealand, Jeff Colt, American, Cody Lind, American, Leah Yingling, American, Taylor Nowlin, American. So I really like all their chances. And one thing that I heard David and Megan Roche talk about that I want you to comment on was that because the Western States race this year was unseasonably cool mm -hmm. that they had noticed with their athletes that they were able to Covering recover more quickly. So they were speculating effectively that because Western States was less oppressive in the heat department, it didn't take as much out of the athletes. Therefore, people might be able to bounce back. Yeah, and we've seen that actually historically with track and field as well. When USA's have been really, really hot ahead of the ahead of a summer Olympics, we've actually seen people really struggle at the Olympic event after having you know probably heat stroke or heat, you know, like being overheated at an event, not all that, you know, within that six week time window, which mm -hmm. is generally the gap between a race like Western States and UTMB. So I do think that the recovery times were a lot quicker. I coached Jeff Colt. Um, he, for example, like he still took plenty of time in between, but last year he was destroyed for a long mm -hmm. time after that 11th place finish at Western States this year, took a big swing, had kind of a whoopsie, but he like has recovered, I think, a lot more quickly than he thought he was going to. And I think the temperatures at Western States on race day were more favorable for athletes not being as destroyed as we have seen in years past. Yeah. I mean, it took Ruth Croft like eight or nine months to feel like she was healthy again after Western States yeah. last year. L Leah Yingling, I think, had a niggle and that's why she didn't double up last year. But she, like, she was here and didn't double. Mm. We actually have a lot of people in CCC as well doing the double on the men's and women's side as well. So it's just, it's, I will be curious to see. I do think that people are recovered better, got a better training block in and are coming into this race a little bit less burnt and a little bit healthier. So I think that the double will be a better opportunity for many athletes than 
historically hot years at Western States. So for those who are playing fantasy with us this week, that's some inside intel, an extra week of recovery slash training for yeah. the Western States UTMB double plus a cooler Western States may lead to better capability to execute on that incredibly hard double. And we've seen in the past, specifically the last two years, the hard rock UTMB double has been easier to execute with Francois Den and Killian Jornet winning both those events in 2021 and 2022. Which makes sense. Well, like hard rock is a, a very hard race. Yeah. You can attest to that. Yes. But I think that generally speaking, it being lower intensity to a degree, longer time on feet, generally lower intensity. More similar terrain than yeah. UTMB. Easier so. to bounce back. I mean, I, I ran Cascade Crest at the end of July. I just pulled like, 130 miles with 50,000 feet of climbing in 10 days, yeah. like this past week and a half. And like, I, sh you know, if, if it had been hotter, if it had been harder, if I had had to go to the well at Cascade Crest, I don't think I would have been able to pull off the vacation I just pulled. And I think it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm recovered. Like I'm ready to kind of get back yeah. into the swing of things in a pretty short time period. Let's talk about your vacation here at the end. But I think that is going to be a really fun storyline to follow. You know, the, will it be similar to it, it, how it's been in recent years where people who did Western States and did it well, have a hard time doubling back on a much different course here at UTMB, or will it be a year where we see a little bit more success moving along to our number six storyline of the week, that being a golden ticket, several four golden tickets to be exact are going to be given out at CCC this year for the first time ever. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I thought, so UTMB has been a golden ticket race, and I think that the ticket has rolled down a lot. Um, it rolled down to fifth in the women's field, for example. It's actually rolled through the field before where it hasn't been taken by someone in the top five. I think them moving the ticket to CCC was a was a good move and an interesting move. Um, there are a lot of Americans in CCC, so it still might go to, like, to non-international athletes potentially. But I do think that the competitive depth and that CCC to, oh, maybe doing Western States, that kind of leg speed could bring in some really interesting talent. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's a good, uh, good development on the golden ticket front. I was actually part of the conversations with, with the Western States board to make this adjustment. And I think, yeah, it's... Uh, Similar to UTMB, I don't think there's really any athletes in CCC who are here specifically to get a golden ticket Agreed. like they are at Black Canyon or Canyons or Bandera yeah. historically. But it could be one of those incentives for the end of the race when you're deep in the well, knowing that you're close to a podium at CCC and potentially having the opportunity to then punch a ticket to Western States. I think hopefully that storyline will cut through a little bit yeah. more here during UTMB race week. Cause it always kind of got lost in the shuffle of the big race, that being UTMB. And I think honestly, like the people who can excel at CCC are the types of athletes who can excel at Western States. I do kind of wonder just a little bit though, if there were people who, when they went into the season and, or maybe bump had bumped up to UTMB, there was like a secondary, like, Oh, it'd be really cool if I got that golden ticket and then I could run Western States next year. Like I, I know a few people, one who is racing UTMB and one who is no longer racing UTMB where they're like, yeah, cool. I'm going to run UTMB. I'm hopefully going to get a golden ticket. I'll do Western States in June. And then they found out after, like then they found out, you know, a month or two later that actually CCC was going to be the golden ticket race. Like mm -hmm. I'd love to see Blondine yeah. at Western States. I'd love to see Petter Engdahl at Western States. Yeah. And I think that some of those individuals um, had had it potentially intended to get that kind of like get to double up, double dip, mm. and will no longer double dip out of UTMB 
and it'll go to someone in the CCC field, yeah. which I think is obviously still very, very exciting. Fantastic. So that'll be a, another fun storyline to follow. And I think we should say too, like outside of UTMB and the world championship and Western States, CCC is really one of the most competitive races of the whole year. And it yes. starts the same morning as UTMB, oh, which is one of the things that makes this week so fun. OCC too. OCC world field class. is, I just went over our preview that's going to go live here later today. I don't know how you're going to pick a podium, much less a top 10. I was talking to Anthony, who's on the team here for the UTMB TV. And he was like, he thinks the women's OCC field and... I think it was the women's OCC field and the men's UTMB podium was his two hardest. Like when he, I, I told him about fantasy, he's going to play fantasy now, but he was like picking his own bets, like internally. And those were the two podiums that he wasn't sure about was the women's OCC and the men's UTMB. And what a perfect segue transition <laughs> to, are we on number seven now? Our seventh storyline of the week, that being Katie Scheid, the 2022 UTMB champion is now stepping back and racing OCC after finishing second place in one of the best 100-mile performances ever at Western States earlier this summer. Katie Scheid is going to be coming in here this afternoon for an interview with her partner, Germain. But any comments on Katie? Yeah, I think it's interesting. She's run CCC successfully as well. She's had a good performance here. Um, I think a lot of us have in our head that Katie is this like 100-mile specialist because of UTMB winning, like winning UTMB last year and then second in a otherwise course record performance at Western States. Um, you're like, okay, cool. You're really good at 100-mile races. I think it's really easy to forget that she ran like a six-hour 50-mile race this spring and her build to Western States, that she has really good leg speed, that she spends her whole winter doing really short, short hard schema races, which are more in that 50K kind of effort. Um, or shorter. So I think that I'm excited to see her race against the specialist. I also think it's really cool that this person who is like, you know, had her life change with UTMB last year and then had this historically good Western States that that person could say, I don't need to race again this year. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't need to put myself in that, like in that, uh, under that like microscope in that potential scrutiny. Right. Yeah. Like, and instead she's like, cool, I'm going to go do this thing. And like, I think she's ready to to turn up as well. It's not like, a, oh, I'm phoning it in. OCC, it's like, she's still here to throw down and it's going to be pretty cool. Yeah, she wouldn't race if she wasn't ready, I yeah, think. 100% I mean, she's agree. smarter than that. And to your point, when I first started following her on Instagram, I recall that she and Germain were jumping in like cross-country races and even they doing workouts do, on the yeah. track and stuff like that. And so, like you said, people in recent years, we'll identify Katie as being sort of a long course specialist, having done UTMB three times. She's done well at Madeira. She's obviously done well at Western States, all those obviously long course races, stepping back to 55K terrain that she's familiar with. And it'll be interesting to see how that double goes, the Western States OCC double. I can't yeah, think of anybody bit, else. Yeah, a little bit non-traditional. Yeah. I actually think Esther Chillog was supposed to do that as well and then had qualification to bump up to... Um, UTMB. And I was yeah. like, that would have been kind of a fun OCC rematch. Yeah. I, I just think for me, the athletes who I admire the most and who I like following the most are the ones who are super versatile. Was and, like Courtney DeWalter showing up at Zagama last year. Right. And also another thing that's going to be interesting, we can talk about this more when we go in depth on UTMB, but Petter Engdahl just did like Mont Blanc marathon. He's been racing short distance races, stepping up to UTMB. Yeah. I'm really excited. Short, to short distance at 
Worlds. He had a disappointing Madeira. He ended up dropping out there. Right. It just wasn't just, I don't know if he was a little bit ill or something going in, but our whole team kind of felt off there. So I'm not sure exactly what was going on mm. with us. Um, but you know, I think Petter is, yeah, like interesting to see him jump up to. Well, he was, a, I think he finished third at the Montpellier Marathon and he was yeah. on the podium yeah, in a golden ticket race what you would think of as not being necessarily in his yeah, he was, wheelhouse. He was behind Remy and Eli Hemming. And Eli Hemming, yeah. yeah. So now stepping up to UTMB after a short distance, focused early season, and uh, obviously the CCC course record holder and defending champion. Awesome to see Petter and Katie Scheid, you know, showing that versatility and that willingness to step up and down in distances. Moving along, unless you have anything else you want to add. I would say stepping up and down distances on the world's biggest stage. It's not like doing your local 50K point. Yep. and training for a, like, and being a hundred mile specialist. It's like, you're going to go to the most competitive 55K in the freaking world. In the most competitive like, mountain marathon. That's the, like, yeah. that's kind of, that's very baller. Totally, totally great point. So moving along now, uh, another, I think, great storyline for our listeners and viewers to follow is just the international representation in the top 10 of these events. And I pulled some stats from last year's top tens in all three of the UTMB world final races, that being OCC, CCC, UTMB. And I just want to read this off and then get your comments, Corinne. So last year in OCC, there were six countries represented in both the men's and women's races, six separate countries. In CCC, there was nine countries represented in the top 10 in the men's race and eight countries represented in the women's race. In UTMB, there were six countries represented in the men's race, nine countries represented in the women's race in the top 10. International representation. This is the world's stage where everybody comes. Yeah, was it, uh, what just happened at Worlds? Noah Lyles, is that right? Who he, like, in his press conference after after doubling in the 100 and 200, said, you know, you know, the guys at the NBA finals are walking around with world champion on their head. And he's like, world champion of what? Like of the U.S.? Like we're not the world. And yeah. I think it's really cool to see these races, you know, while the French in particular have been great at on the men's side at UTMB. And we've seen the Spanish women, for example, clean up in some of the shorter distance races here. Um, it truly is a very international field. We will be missing some people. Like I don't think Sunmaya Buddha is racing this year. So we had a Nepalese athlete on the podium at um ccc so we're gonna be gonna be some characters missing but things are pretty well represented across the board as far as um we've got a lot of chinese athletes here um a lot of athletes representing asian the asian continent i do think we're gonna be missing um some folks from like south america in particular is probably kind of one of those like untapped like Mm -hmm. bringing them into the fold truly but yeah very very international um, in all those fields last year, we had a, a lot of American women in the top 10 at, o, at OCC. There's always like these little trends where it's like, Ooh, there were a lot of, there are a lot of French guys at UTMB. There are a lot of American women in OCC, yeah. et cetera. But I, I think in particular watching like the UTMB women's top 10 round out last year, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. we've got hungry in there, et cetera. Like right. all of a sudden yeah. it just like, is a very cool field to be a part of. Yeah. And I think that's basically the point It's like, this is basically the world championship across all these distances. Each country is sending their the, best, the very best athletes. So even though, you know, like technically the world trail championship took place in Austria just a couple of months ago and was ph- yeah. phenomenally. And a lot of those athletes are racing against yeah. again here. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But my, my point is that like, yeah, here athletes aren't wearing the kit that represents their home country, but it'll be a fun thing for our listeners and viewers to just keep track of throughout the week of like in these top 10 races, look at the diversity of where people are coming from. And I think it's so positive for the future of our sport to just see it thrive and produce such great talent from all four corners of the globe. So that'll be a fun thing to watch throughout this year's UTMB as well. And I'm sure there's going to be people who come out of nowhere who we've never heard of, almost like Sunmaya Buddha last year, who yeah. I, I was not familiar with at all. It was a Nepalese athlete who ran phenomenally well for a second yeah, place I think at she, CCC. I think she must, I think she's injured. Yeah. And she was injured back at World. So she, I don't, I, I believe that she's not on the starting line this year. But yeah. yeah, there's some really cool stories that will come out of the woodwork yeah. that we are currently not aware of that people yeah. at home might yeah. be aware of. You can tell us. Tell us how wrong we are. Yeah, Let us or, know who we're missing. But yeah. I think that that like there will be characters that totally weren't on our radar and suddenly show up in a big way on totally. race day. Can't wait to see who those people are. Moving along, Corinne, our ninth storyline of this year's UTMB is the weather. And I'm going to do my best right now to <laughs> share my screen so we can talk through this a little bit. As we speak now, again, it is Monday, August 28th the very beginning of race week. And is, it's been a cold, snow. rainy day. Yeah, there's snow. The snow line is just under 2,000 meters. I think 1,700 meters was the snow line across much of France today, where I ran yesterday, looking up at this hillside behind us that no one can see. Um, there's snow where I was running around yesterday. So I yep. think that, yeah, it's been cold and moody here today. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with Topher and Fernando who ran MCC today to see if they had any exposure to snowy terrain. I got, up on the mountain. I got hypothermic with Fernando during TDS in 2018. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. that, that rain. So. so we are in a mountain environment. Uh, they've been lucky with the weather the last few years. I think it's safe to say. And Since 20, like, I feel like 2017 was pretty bad. Mm -hmm. And I think 2018 was pretty weathery as well. Yeah. It's been more than a decade since the race was like materially impacted by weather. There were a couple of years where it was shortened due to treacherous, mountain uh, downpours. But this year, as uh, I'm showing here on my screen for our viewing audience on YouTube, this year's weather forecast looks like they could be getting lucky again, threading the needle in a little bit of a weather, weather window. We're expecting sort of colder temperatures here in Chamonix tomorrow, a high of only 48 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, probably some chance of rain slash snow early in the morning before it opens up and is clear Wednesday, Thursday, Friday with only light rain expected sometime on Saturday. So should be should I mean, be pretty ideal for the race window. I think TDS, those poor athletes tonight are going to be in for it. PTL started in the rain this morning. MCC had their they actually skipped a pass. They came, they stayed a little bit low out of Triant. They went down to Triant and then came up to a pass from a different direction um, because of the weather, because of it being cold and, and wet and potentially a little treacherous. They've activated the cold weather kit for TDS and MCC that both um, are either currently racing or are racing today. And that will be kind of the like, honestly, sometime you go through the night on Friday and then Saturday can be kind of hot when you're finishing up for UTMB. So I feel like it being a little bit overcast and rainy might be just like perfectly ideal conditions. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be, I'll also be curious to hear what the trail conditions are. I think one thing that's important to it's mention been is really that, dry until yeah, now. Right. And so 
there's going to be 10,000 runners that are traversing nearly the same course in a lot of places. And therefore, if there has been a ton of precipitation on top of dry trail, how much will turn into kind of a sloppy, slow mess? Because yeah. like, if you look at the temperatures here, low to mid sixties for mm -hmm. like CCC and UTMB with clear skies, you're thinking that's pretty that's good fast, conditions to push. If, but if the backside of Grand Colferay is yeah. horribly muddy and, yeah. and for the UTMB runners, there've been 3000 CCC runners, CCC, there we go. There's too many C's in that. <laughs> um, you know, you've had 3000 runners on it before you like that, that 13 mile downhill off the back of Grand Colferay might not be as fast as usual because it might be very slippery, very sloppy back there at that point. So it kind of depends on how wet it does truly get, particularly on the back half of the course, I think. And then does it dry out enough for before CCC or are those two fields impacted by potentially sloppy conditions? due to the terrain not drying well. Yeah, so to be determined, again, we are in a mountain environment. It is unpredictable, this forecast that I just showed you here. It's change, it changes every two hours. It very well change between now and race day. And because we are gonna be broadcasting every day, we will make sure to keep people apprised of that. <laughs> but moving along to our 10th and final storyline of the week. This can be just a quick one, Corinne. Is the 20th anniversary of UTMB already? It's crazy. It is kind of crazy. So and I, like, how long have you been coming here for? 10 years, 10 years ago this week, I broke my ankle up on the top of the Bravant. It was my <laughs> first trip to Europe. This is actually a good story for our audience. I arrived here in Chamonix for the 2013 UTMB after finishing fifth at Western States earlier in the summer. You're like I'm doing the double. I'm first doing time it. in Europe, traveling alone. I got here two weeks early. First day, first run, broke my ankle at the top of the Provence. So I spent three weeks in the bar here in Chamonix. <laughs> <laughs> and then I jumped in Anton Krupichka's crew with Joe Grant and Anna Frost that year. All makes sense. And I had a front row to a fantastic race in 2013, it was the first year that Xavier Thevenard won. Miguel Haras finished second, I recall. And, you know, Anton was sort of like up there in the mix before dropping off in Trient. But because Anton was in the lead or, or near the lead, I was able to really follow the front of the race. And it was as clear as day to me that, thank goodness you broke your ankle. If you would have started this race, you would have absolutely been destroyed. This is a whole different ball game than Western States. You didn't prepare appropriately. And, uh, you anyway, have no idea what you're doing. Yeah. So anyway, like all, you know, painful memories, there was also a lot of positive from it. And now with 10 years of perspective, it's crazy to think that I still keep coming back every single year. This is probably like my eighth or ninth trip to UTMB. And I have only raced, you know, maybe three or four of those. So just as fun for us to be here and not race. But and I think that's a good point too. It's like this, I mean, it can be a little bit circusy right? There's a lot going on in town. We just talked about how we like, oh, it's now raining really hard again. How we take back routes all over town to avoid people at times. But it's, you know, it is fun to be here even if you're not racing. Yeah. Even if you're just spectating or taking it in or doing your own TMB over a week, et cetera, on the mountain. Like, it's a cool place to be. Yeah, we did our friend lunch up on the Italian side at a refugio, another great tradition we've done for many years. And we were just like giving some recognition to some, we had a group of like 30 people at the refugio having lunch and 
we had people raise their hand if they were racing or just recognize the people who were racing. It was very few of the 30 people. <laughs> and it was like over the years, fewer and fewer people from our group are, are racing. Are racing. Yeah. And so we made the joke that we're getting smarter, you know, because mm. nobody was running UTMB. And so we were like, oh, we're all getting smarter. Yeah, you're like MCC folks. <laughs> we're all here, to have, yeah. all here to have lunch and not necessarily to put ourselves through vision quests in the mountains. But that's also bucket list stuff that we would highly recommend. So wrapping things up on, on our top 10 here, the reason I wanted to end with this 20th anniversary is a couple of things. Number one, it's just interesting because earlier this year, you and I obviously were there to celebrate the Western States 50th, this being the UTMB 20th. I don't know the sports maturing. It's, it's amazing to see what they've built here in only 20 years, I feel like. And, um, I think it's just like, the sport's getting to a point now where it's no longer like brand new. It's getting more established. We just talked about the international representation. Now, when you tell people you run hundred mile races, they don't necessarily look at you like you're crazy. I just feel like we're growing up a little bit and it's, (laughs) it's kind of fun to be here and celebrate it. The other um, reason I wanted to bring it up is just to set up tomorrow's morning show. So tomorrow on good morning, Mont Blanc, we are going to be joined by Topher Gaylord, Keith Byrne, and likely Doug Mayer, who's the author of the new book that details the history of UTMB. And those three guys are sort of like the best resources to know all the untold stories and all the history of the 20 years of this race. Topher just finished MCC and he was emotional earlier in the week, just reminiscing about the 20 years he spent here at UTMB. And he was sort of integral in the very beginning, the founding of this race with Katrina and Michelle Poletti. So make sure you guys join us for tomorrow's show with that great group where we're going to go deep on the 20 year history of UTMB. Corinne, before we wrap up, maybe tell us quickly about your, your lap around the mountain and where people can expect to see more of you. Oh yeah. We were joking ahead of uh, hitting record that my husband has like two weeks of vacation twice a year as a medical resident. And I can, I coaxed him to come to Europe and his vacation consisted of 130 miles and 51,000 feet of climbing over 10 days. And he thought that that was just about right. Like a nice clean, clean number. But we did a um, Doug actually who might come in and and chat with you. Um, He helped us put together kind of a TMB alternative route. So we weren't, you know, on, we tried to hit the TMB as little as possible and stayed at high huts while circumnavigating the mountain. And it was just a really special, like I was totally off the grid, no cell phone service, hit Cormier on night three, had dinner with Kim and Toaf, and then like headed back into the mountains again, which was pretty perfect. Um, ahead of what is a very busy week for everyone here. You will be busy. I'll be busy. Um, I start doing stuff. I'll be doing um, all the live commentary for OCC, CCC, and UTMB. With Keith, who's going to be in here tomorrow. Yeah, with Keith. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be my main my main co-partner, co-host. I'm so jealous. It's going to, yeah. You work with other people. It's going to be great. I know. Um, but then I think we're going to be joined a little bit by Scott Jurek as well, um, TBD. We're going to give him a trial run during OCC <laughs> and see how it goes is kind of the plan. Um, but yeah, so you can find me. Um, we're streaming in seven languages, actually. Um, we'll be on the English channel. You can find it on YouTube um, or on Outside TV Plus, I believe. But the YouTube channel is fun because you can get in the chat and interact with us throughout the course of the day. Um, but yeah, we'll be live for, I don't know, like 40 hours or something. So yeah. don't go anywhere. Don't do any work. 
come hang out with us all day. Um, and then we are doing, I've got a run tomorrow on, I think Tuesday afternoon with the Adidas crew from the Adidas shop, I believe. I don't actually know what time is happening at. So just follow the orange signs. Follow maybe. Corinne on Instagram. Yeah. Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> and, uh, we are releasing a new shoe, um, which is very exciting. Sweet. Well, yeah, I can't wait to listen to all your brilliant broadcasting throughout race week. I expect week. you to be in the chat I being will, like, excuse me. I will absolutely be in the chat and we'll hopefully be able to convince you to come join us here on the show at least oh, one other time I'll, to wrap things back. up. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Well, Corinne, thank you so much. Before we go, I just want to remind our listeners to go play fantasy trail running this week. It's very, very important that you do so. We are playing all three of the UTMB world final events. Of course, that being OCC, CCC, and UTMB, as Corinne and I have just mentioned, all three are world-class fields with some of the best athletes in the world competing across three very unique distances. We're going to be picking 10 deep in each of those three races. So pick 10 men and 10 women in the order in which you think that they will finish. We have amazing prize packages. We have head to toe kits, full head to toe kits from Hoka, including footwear uh, and Zephyr packs, running packs from Camelback that we're going to be distributing to the top three predictors in all three of those races. So make sure you go to fantasy.freetrail.com and make those picks. You got to get them in before each race starts. So go navigate to that website, fantasy.freetrail.com. I'll put a link in the show notes and in the description here of today's show. So you can navigate there easily, but make sure you give yourself a chance to get those great prizes. And it's just so fun to uh, make those predictions and then see how you perform. Finally, a big thank you to our sponsors of today's episode and throughout the week. Again, Hoka and Camelback. For Hoka, they recently launched the Stinson 7. So if you're going to pack just one pair for an adventure, this is it. It is known as the Swiss Army Knife of Shoes, sort of like a road to trail type well-cushioned shoe like Hoka is known for. It's the perfect blend of plush cushioning and versatile traction made to conquer any terrain. You'll find pavement, trail, and gravel are no match for the Stinson stabilizing H-frame, rubber toe cap, and multi-directional lugs. Thank you so much to Hoka for their support. And also thank you to uh, Camelback. Again, they make fantastic pack products. They're here at UTMB and uh, have a, a big uh, event on Thursday night that Ryan Harmony and I will all be at 6 to 8 p.m. at the Hotel Foley Deuce, I think is what it's called. We'll put a link to that in the show notes here as well. So big thank you to Hoka and Camelback. With that being said, that wraps up the first Good Morning Montblanc episode. Again, we are going to be broadcasting each and every day until next Sunday. For Corinne Malcolm, I'm Dylan Bowman. Catch you guys soon. Mm-hmm.